I probably should not say this, but I don't think art should learn anything from fashion. I think <laughs> art should be more itself. Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew Goldstein. I'm the editor-in-chief of Artnet News and host of the Art Angle podcast. And I am delighted to welcome you here today for the official first live recording of the Art Angle right here in New York's Armory Show Art Fair. Yay! <laughs> So you're probably thinking to yourself, wow, art and luxury, that is a very broad topic. Well, spoiler alert, we're actually going to drill down into something a little bit more narrowly defined and that's personally more exciting to me, which is how art and fashion are intersecting today, how that's changing, and what that means when it comes to the idea of innovation. So we're very lucky because you couldn't ask for a better interlocutor on this subject than Sandra Lack, the visionary creative director behind Cismarjan, which is this white-hot fashion label. Sandra has an incredible fashion line, but he's also collaborating right now in a very fascinating and I think unprecedented collaboration with the architect Rem Kohlhaas' Guggenheim show, Countryside the Future. So we're going to get into what that means in a moment, but first a little bit more about Sander, a Dutch designer who was born in Brunei and raised between Malaysia and Scotland. Sander spent his early career taking on increasingly prominent roles at Philip Lim, Balmain, and Dries van Noten before being tapped in 2014 to start his own label, which he's named Cis Marjan after his mother and father's first names. Since then, his clothes, which are defined by ravishing jewel-colored tones, cutting-edge materials, and billowing non-binary cuts have been a critical and commercial hit, winning him the 2018 CFDA Award for Best New Designer and Raves in the Fashion Press. As seems de rigueur these days, Sander has collaborated with artists like Tina Barney and Walter Robinson, but his new project with Rem Kulhaas and the Guggenheim is his most ambitious yet. So, full disclosure, I've actually known Sander for years, and we've had many conversations about this topic, but never in a formal setting like this where I could throw some real hardball questions at him. I'm really getting a little bit scared right now. <laughs> well, thank you for being brave enough to come on the art angle yes. today, Sander. You collect art. Your mom is a painter. You have collaborated with artists, and I believe you met your boyfriend at the Met Gala. So how does art and the world of art kind of fit into your life? Well, I always kind of consider fashion sort of the industry that really takes from everywhere else because of the, the pace that we have to create things. Fashion, from a professional point of view, is something I can tap into quite easily for my work. When it comes to personally, I've always wanted to be an artist, but very quickly realized that that is not what I am good at. That's not something that actually I should be doing. I like seeing it, experiencing it. I like working with it, but I'm not actually an artist. What I do is much more um, applied and I like the, the restrictions of the industry that I'm in and, and the, the boxes that I need to work within. But art is always a, a big part of, of everything I do. You went to Central St. Martin's in London, which is a very famous art school, and you studied fashion there. Did you ever try your hand at, at studio art, drawing, painting? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, when I was younger, before I discovered fashion, really, I was always drawing, um, and I was always uh, fascinated by this idea of creating something on paper, creating something on a canvas. But again, because I'm very critical, and I'm very Dutch when it comes to really direct in, you know, like, okay, I know exactly what is working and what isn't working, and I saw very quickly... I am not an artist. I like to express myself in an artistic kind of uh, vehicle, but it was not art. So right now you're expressing yourself through a new fashion collection. 
that you did in collaboration with Rem Koolhaas and the Guggenheim. How did that collaboration come about? I mean, that really started about like a year and a half ago when we were put in touch with each other and we decided to part sponsor the the exhibition. There was immediately sort of like this plan ahead because a year and a half ago I knew that we were sponsoring this exhibition and I knew that I had access to Ram and his team and I knew that I was going to be able to do something with it. Just to sort of give you a context of how things normally work in the fashion industry, you do about a gazillion collections a year and every week you sort of finalize something and every month you have another collection coming out and so you're really working from deadline to deadline and from collection to collection and um, there's never really that much time to think. So this was really interesting because all of a sudden I had literally six months to just think about what I wanted to do with this and then six months to research and communicate with him and figure out how to translate what he was doing into what I am doing. So this is a very high concept exhibition. It's really about how Rem Koolhaas realized that the countryside is this entirely forgotten dimension of contemporary life where everybody is thinking about the cities. Cities occupy about 2% of the surface area of the earth, but by 2025, they're going to contain 70% of the population. The countryside is seen as what he calls the back house for urban civilization. How do you take something that is exploring this very big, important topic and channel that into a fashion collection? Well, I mean, that was really the challenge, you know, and Rem knows this because it's the first thing I told him. I would have never picked this subject myself <laughs> if I'm thinking about, okay, I'm going to work on a collection. I'm not, I, I would never say, yes, let me do it about the countryside. Like, that's just not a fashion subject in that sense. But that's also why I thought it was really interesting because... It is a subject that is so wide. It's very hard to speak about certain things. What initially my kind of interest was is also the fact that this architect and his agency, his, his OMA, um, were doing this eight-year research project in a way in the Guggenheim. So when I went to Rotterdam, I met with Rem for the first time and he showed me what the exhibition was going to be. I kept thinking, where's the angle that I can take from really obvious things like, you know, is there a texture? Is there a color that I can use? Is there a shape? Or, but then I kind of sort of started forgetting that and was thinking more about the idea of research, you know, of this this vast amount of time to really dive into a subject, no matter what the subject is. The fact that somebody is able to do that and somebody is able to then put that in a renowned museum as the Guggenheim gave this kind of uh, new twist to how I was thinking about how I work and, and how I do things. And I never have any time. So I all of a sudden realized I need to use this time to do almost the same, sort of pretend that I'm doing a research project and the end result is not uh, an exhibition in the Guggenheim, but it's a, it's a fashion collection. And did you and Rem kind of have an interchange, a creative dialogue while you were creating? Yeah, 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 a lot. We're very uh, known for our colors that we use. And uh, it was very interesting because Rem, the first thing that he wanted to talk about was color. And, you know, when he talks about color in his world, in his field, as an architect, um, he thinks about it within the context of space. Whereas I, of course, talk about color that goes on your body. So I'm talking about skin colors and body shapes. And, you know, so there are these differences, but also clear similarities between what we do. And when I went to his studio, for example, there were a lot of uh, materials on tables where he would have like, you know, uh, a piece of stone next to a piece of metal next to a piece of plastic that, you know, he was putting together to, to probably put in a building or think about, you know, what would look nice together. And for me, it's exactly the same. When you come to my studio, it's like, you know, a piece of fabric next to a zipper next to a button. And, you know, those are the ingredients I, I play with. So we did talk a lot about 
more uh, pressing matters, obviously, and come with this exhibition and, you know, the, the, the things that are happening in my industry. And it was a, a real kind of dream come true to be able to just sit in a room with him, yeah. What, what were some of these bigger kind of existential issues that you guys were talking about between architecture and, and fashion? I think we talked more about the differences there as well. I think it was more about the pace that fashion is in and the pace that he works in, which was really interesting. When he works on a project, it, it can take 10 years. It can take 15 years. I mean, how he has so much time that him and his team start questioning things. And, you know, you get to this point where it's like, Jesus, it's been fucking eight years. For me, it's the other, and the other, other way around where, you know, I'm like, oh my God, I have one week to do a whole thing. And I have no time to even really reconsider things. You know, I just have to go, 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 go. So how did you approach this show? What were some of the ideas and, and entry points that you decided to use to tackle this big idea? Um, well, the first thing we always do when we start with a... a making a collection, we start with the color card. So the color card is first and then you do fabrics and then you go into design and that's the normal kind of uh, route that I take. So I started with a color card based on all the visuals that I had, you know, from all of the research that they did, from the research that I did. And from there on out, start working with textiles, thinking about what the angle was, thinking about it does it need to be something that is purely about sustainability, which initially was my first reaction, but it was very clear that the exhibition isn't directly about sustainability, it's really about countryside. And so it's about a much wider subject than this little part, which is obviously a huge, huge subject, but it's that's not the main goal of the exhibition. So I also didn't want that to be the main goal of the collection, but I did want to make sure that we were conscious of it because it is a sensitive subject and you know fashion is definitely not an industry that is always right when it comes to these things so I wanted to make sure that there was elements in that but I also wanted to make sure that I tried to make something that was inspiring you know I really wanted it to be about the beauty of it and what people can make and what people can do and how nature can be used to create uh, fabrics and colors and, and all of those kind of things. You know one thing I thought was very interesting about how you approached it is that you really took a very high-tech approach to it. What we have on the slide is an ensemble that you created with scientists and technicians at Cornell University. Yes. And, and can you tell me about the process that was used to, um, yeah. to make this? Um, so at Cornell, they have a department that really specializes in all of the things related to natural dyeing and fibers. The, the reality of the game is, is that, you know, where we are right now, a lot of these techniques are not necessarily realistic when it comes to the production cycle of things. But they are really great ways to creatively play and to, to try things out. So this is one of the techniques is uh, called contact dyeing, which is um, fabrics are prepared to basically take whatever you put on top of them, absorb the color and the fibers of, of the plants and flowers that you put on top by pressing and hammering it into the fabric. And that's a, a process that is very exhausting and, and it takes a lot of time. Of course, the reality is that afterwards, if you want to commercialize it, it's just not possible with the timelines. You know, we made a digital version of it to sort of like give you that feeling and also to be able to communicate the message without it being pure couture. Some of these things are so advanced and they take so much human skills and time that it isn't really ready to wear anymore. It becomes couture. Or in the art context, you would have the original art object versus the additioning of the art object. Exactly. Another approach that you took is that you worked with a very interesting sheep and wool artist. Yes, Claudia Jungsta is her name. So Claudia Jungsta is, is an artist who 
felts and boils and washes and creates these blankets that there's no practicality to them really like it's purely a visual kind of vehicle but you can make beautiful garments out of them and that's kind of what we did she donated a blanket to us and we made um, a garment and and we did some pillows uh, with it as well that are uh, for sale on first dibs now one one of your colleagues told me that she doesn't actually shear her sheep that the, the wool falls off of these sheep naturally and she just gathers it exactly. from the ground yeah. I, I, how does that how does that even work? I mean, that is just a long, timely process. She has a lot of sheep and she literally just waits till the, the hairs fall off and then she collects them and then over time she has enough to do something. So it's also something that, again, it isn't made really to be produced in the way that you, fashion is produced. But it is something that really can show sort of the beauty of some of these processes. And so here's another artist that you worked with is the artist Diana Shearer who specializes in manipulating plant roots into these intricate patterns. How did you work with her? So she's also uh, working for a university in Nijmegen, in Holland as well. She's German and she has been working on trying to figure out how to grow fabrics. So basically what you do is you grow, um, how do you call it, like a sheet of grass, let's say. In three weeks, it grows enough so that the roots are strong enough. The top layer of the soil and the grass is, is chopped off and the roots is basically like a film that's left over. The reality of this is it isn't at the stage yet where it is actually a fabric. It really is just dried roots that is really like thin and really fragile. She is working on trying to somehow biologically like manipulate it sort that it is possible to actually have it be something you can wash and you can bring to the dry cleaner and, you know, that could be sort of a substitute for a fabric at some point. It is not there yet, but we wanted to sort of play with it. And what we did is we fused it on top of a cashmere. It was really an incredible look. It falls apart over time. So it's really, uh, again, a couture piece. But it, being able to come here and speaking about this technique is, is really the reason why we did it. So we've been talking about an architect, a root artist, a wool artist, this is obviously very hybridized terrain. So let's pull things apart a little bit. What is the difference between fashion and art? Is fashion art? I mean, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think everyone will have their own. So I can only give you my personal opinion. I've always said no. I've always said that fashion is not art. There are overlaps. I think the limitations and the, the boundaries and the frames you have to work within in fashion are so limiting that it, it doesn't require you to be as free as I think you should be when creating art. In the same way that I don't think, you know, a painting is necessarily art if it's just made for, you know, a living room to go above a couch. Like, if that's the goal of making a painting, then for me, that's not art either. What is it then? Is that design, decor? Then it's design, yeah. I don't think art is higher than any of the other things. Like, it's just apples and oranges. They're all fruits, you know? You have, you have art, you have fashion, you have architecture, you have design. For me, they're all equal. You know, I, I think back to the, the ancient Greek term for art is techne, which just means skill, very high and refined skill. And just as you're talking about working with the wool artist and the root artist on making these exquisite but impractical pieces of clothing that you can't even use as clothing, that kind of seems to shade into a, a definition of art as being something that is non-functional, yeah, impractical. Yeah. It's rubbing against it, but I would never say that this coat is art for that reason. No, it's playing with it, you know, and, and fashion plays and rubs and 
makes love to everything because, you know, we have to use everything. That's also what I always love about fashion is it's just shamelessly sleeping around with every other art form or every other applied anything because we just have to produce so much stuff. You're not the only designer sleeping around with art right now. You've got designers like Virgil Abloh and Tom Brown making art. You've got artists like Sterling Ruby making fashion. The designer Duro Oluo just curated a show at the MCA Chicago Chanel just hired the former CEO of the Serpentine Galleries to be their new global head of art and culture. There seems to be a tremendous amount of activity that is really pulling these fields together in a way that has happened in the past, but arguably not to this kind of degree. Why do you think that these fields are coming together in such proliferation right now? Because we need each other. There is no art fair without fashion week and there's no fashion week without an art fair. Like when you look at things like, okay, who is your customer and where do you go? Where is she going? Where is he going? You know, what kind of gallery? What kind of art does he or she buy? Like, you know, like it's all tapping into the same thing. And for, for gallerists, it's the same. You know, what is she wearing? Comme de Garçon. Okay, she must be highbrow. Is she wearing Margiela? Or what is the brand? What are the shoes? Like it's all tapping into the same kind of thing. And I, I think especially now, you know, these are not the easiest times. And I think we need to all rely on each other in a certain way. Sometimes that happens really beautifully. Sometimes it's really nasty. But, but you know, it, it, it is all connected. And, and there's a big economical component to this as well. Do you think that the fashion world sees the art world and thinks, okay, this is a clientele that I want to approach by kind of nodding to the art stuff? Is, is there a way that it's a form of marketing? Oh, absolutely. And... In a way, it also makes total sense, you know, because if you think about where people spend their money and how people spend their money, whether you are a gallerist or a designer, like it is kind of the same thing. You know, I think it is very clear that if somebody spends, you know, three million on uh, an artwork, then most likely that person wouldn't really flinch at a $3,000 dress. What do you think fashion can learn from the art market? Is there anything that you see in something like an art fair like the Armory Show? Are there any cues that you're getting? I feel like there's, a, there's another art fair every week. Sorry, I probably should not say that here. But uh, there's a lot of like urgency happening in the art world. Again, I, when you're looking at the art world from a business point of view, it's different from when I look at artists. There's a lot of things that I feel fashion can learn. It's, you know, the fact that artists are in general kept to their own schedule and kept to their own way of working. And, you know, if somebody does something in two hours or in two months or in two years, that kind of is up to them to decide. And that's something fashion could learn a lot from. But when it comes to the business of art and the business of fashion, I feel like they're becoming quite similar. And what do you think that art can learn from fashion? I mean, fashion, I think, obviously precedes art in a lot of ways in that it went online before art did. It has a global mass audience in a way that art can only dream of. It has a much bigger penetration into the, the popular consciousness at large. Uh, I probably should not say this, but I don't think art should learn anything from fashion. I think <laughs> art should be more itself. I think art should actually not look at fashion. Fashion should definitely look at art. Fashion should, should look at everything and, you know, again, just sleep around with whatever and whoever. But I think art should really be much more its own thing. So I think maybe art should close its eyes to fashion a little bit more. And I'm saying this, like, and I'm shooting myself in the foot because obviously I'm also tapping into it. But the, the interesting, you've brought this up a few times that you feel the cycle of the fashion industry is oppressive 
in some ways. Now that you've tasted this year-long kind of timeline with working on the Guggenheim show, is there a way that you can actually incorporate that more sustainably into your practice? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying. You know, I've really sat with my team after finishing this collection and I've talked about how freeing it was and how liberating it was. I do think that there are certain things that I can do to maybe make decisions earlier or, you know, really stick to an idea way before instead of like really sort of lingering on and waiting for that last moment to kind of really go into the next thing. And, and I think that's the only way forward because I was getting really tired. Also because, you know, Cis Marjan is this part of my career, but I've worked for a lot of people before and I've been in the industry for a long time. So I've, I've been in that rat race uh, for a while. And before the Rem Koas collaboration, I was getting a, just a little bit exhausted of, and not exhausted of like tired, I need to sleep, but exhausted of creatively of just always having to up myself. And, and when I do something, you know, three months later, it has to be better than before. It has to sell more. It has to look better. It has to get better reviews. And, you know, if you win an award once, you have to win it again the next year. Um, and this kind of really gave me a new energy in a way. So what do you make of these multi-hyphenate fashion designers like Virgil Abloh, who have been broadening their scope from, you know, fashion and music into furniture, art, museum shows? I think it's a really uh, incredible thing that he is able to do that. I think at some point where you do too many things, um, something's got to give. And I would love to be able to do that. I just feel like when I put my energy in something, I really put everything in that one thing that I'm working on. And it's so intense and it would be very hard for me to then dabble a little bit in here and there. And, and then what do you think about the other side of the equation where you have artists like Sterling Ruby making fashion lines and collaborating with uh, Ralph Simmons, but now kind of going out on his own to, to have his own fashion line. No, that's great. I, I think that's a, a more unusual road. And therefore, I think that's a really great thing to happen. And I'm really curious to see how that goes. I'm really curious to see what the business model is behind that and how, or if this is something that is more like a, a project that has a certain amount of time. Or, um, But it's really fascinating. I think, I, again, I think everyone is really on their own right now. And, you know, fashion was very much about rules and about the relationships you had and you had to follow them. And now it's like everyone for themselves. There are a lot of people who are really using that to their advantage. Like they just really play by their own rules. And I, and I applaud that. I think that's great. I mean, at the same time as people are playing by their own rules, there are a lot of trends that are very visible. If you walk through the art fair, there are very visible trends that you can see in painting particularly. What do you see in fashion that are the interesting trends that you've been paying attention to? That's a tricky thing. I don't know. In a way, that's kind of like asking an artist about what the trends are in art. I don't really pay attention to that. I would like to think the trends happen from the work that I do and not following trends that then I apply. The only trends that I do follow up close is more like culturally what's happening from like a business point of view of like spending patterns and, you know, uh, what people are listening to, what people are watching, like all of that stuff. You know, fashion is really the, a sponge of culture in that sense. But when it comes to trends within fashion, I, I actually would not know. No, I have no idea. Well, I think one that the art world is very interested in is the, the boom in interest for sneakers and for athleisure. There was a lot of attention that was paid last year when Sotheby's did a sale of sneakers that sold for over a million dollars. There's a lot of interest in this because it seems that the art world is identifying these sneaker buyers as potential art collectors because this is a young audience, it's a young global 
kind of buying um, demographic. How do you see that in, from a fashion perspective, and how do you understand that in a kind of a, a cultural perspective? Well, I mean, also going back to what you were saying about the art world, you know, being aware of tapping into future customers. That, that's exactly the same as what I was talking about earlier. I mean, I think, you know, there, the trends that I can talk about, you know, are things that have happened in the past. And I think there has been obviously a, a surge of, of streetwear and everything related to uh, what also can be called daywear or, you know, there's all, these, all of these terms that people use. But there is sort of like a normalization of fashion that has happened now for five, six years. And sneakers are the perfect kind of like holy grail of, of that, you know, like a, the idea of designer sneakers um, is relatively new, you know, sneakers were sneakers and that that was it. And then fashion saw an opportunity like they always do and tapped into it. And and I think that's kind of where it, it heightened it. Hermes does a sneaker that is $2,000 and little. So it, it's like an upping game that really happens. And people thought it was a bubble. I, I don't think it's a bubble. I think it's just a, a reality of, of what's happening now. So on that note, I want to say thank you, Sander, for being on this experimental first live recording of The Art Angle. And I want to give a shout out to my producers who are in the audience, yes. Tim Schneider, Caroline Goldstein, and our editor, Nick Long. If you are interested in learning more about The Art Angle, you can subscribe to it on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you for coming. Thank you.